Welcome to the Women's Fitness and Health Revolution podcast. There is so much noise on the interweb these days about what women should and shouldn't be doing when it comes to their fitness and health. Not only is it all too often tied to shame and fixing our bodies, it can also be incredibly detrimental to our health and wellness overall. The Women's Fitness and Health Revolution podcast sorts through the BS and offers advice and actionable tactile steps to support and build a better relationship to your amazing body through every stage of womanhood. It aims to break the cycle of keeping women in the dark about their extraordinary machines and revolutionize the way we move, eat, and live so that our daughters and our daughters' daughters look in the mirror and feel exactly what they are. Fierce, beautiful, and capable of everything. The revolution starts here. Hello, hello, hello. What is happening, friends? Kinsey here, and welcome to the Women's Fitness and Health Revolution podcast. Today, we talk all things phases of womanhood and staying fit, healthy, and happy through all of them. Dr. Stacey Sims put it best when she coined, women are not small men. While this might sound like a no-brainer, When we break down how society diagnoses, prescribes, and trains women, we start to see why this is a huge deal. Our physiologies are completely different from men in so many critical ways. One of which is that we have hormonal phases all throughout our lives that men's bodies simply do not have or need considerations for. Unfortunately, for over half the human population, health and fitness research up until this point has been done almost exclusively on men. So we are left not only in the dark on our training and nutrition protocols, but also about how the heck our body even works. Shall we demystify our incredible machines? Starting with that crowd favorite, puberty, women will often begin to get their menstrual cycle. And off to the races we go. But before I dive too far in, I do want to acknowledge that there are a slew of health conditions that can lead to irregular periods, which is why it is so deeply vital that we track our periods. It has actually been argued, and I very much agree, that like body temperature, heart rate, and respiratory rate, Regularity of our periods should be heated as a vital sign. When things are off within our cycle, it's an indication that something is off in our body as a whole. I by no means am an expert in this field, and I very much look forward on bringing experts into this show down the line. But for the sake of unpacking what the phases of women womanhood are in general, I'm going to just focus on a healthy menstruating woman. So... The menstrual cycle has an average of 28 days, although it can vary from 21 to 35 days based on the woman. It begins officially the first day of heavy bleeding. The first half of our cycle is called our follicular phase. Isn't that fun to say? And includes the time that we are on our period. After we're done bleeding, Our estrogen levels, one of our amazingly handy-dandy sex hormones, starts to rise. I love Maisie Hill. She is the author of Period Power and her description of our cycle. Her first episode on her podcast, The Maisie Hill Experience, is a must-listen to, and she does a fabulous job of describing this whole process. The way she puts it is that estrogen is our get-out-there-and-party hormone because in this phase of our cycle, our body is trying to get prego. In the middle of our cycle, 
that's when we ovulate, aka when our body releases an egg and we become able to get pregnant. Estrogen will drop a bit and progesterone spikes up in this second phase, the luteal phase, luteal phase. Its job, progesterone, is getting our uterine wall lining ready for that fertilized egg to implant and to chill us the F out. Maisie Hill describes this hormone as the stay in and stay safe hormone. Our body at this point assumes we've performed our animalistic duty and gotten pregnant to carry on the species. So now we have to stay safe, which often means during this phase of our cycle, we become slightly more introverted, ready to conserve energy or rest more and to start eating more. By the end of our luteal phase, estrogen starts to pick back up. So with both estrogen and progesterone working together, we are officially in a high hormone phase. And here, my darlings, is where we may experience PMS. If there's no fertile egg to implant, progesterone is going to drop. We shed our uterine lining, a.k.a. have our period. And round and round we go unless we get pregnant or unless we enter our perimenopausal phase. Perimenopause. This is the transition period between having a regular menstrual cycle and menopause. And personally, this one is the one that I feel like I have never heard spoken of until I started doing research to help my perimental clients, perimenopausal clients, excuse me, navigate their fitness and nutrition in their ever-changing bodies because they were in so many ways left their hung out to dry and we've been doing a lot of deep diving and exploration the information is out there ladies so don't stress we just have to dig for it and that is why I am here so this phase can start as early as 35 but generally it starts in our mid 40s it can last up to 10 years with the majority of the symptoms joining the party four to five years out from menopause you know good old hot flashes and night sweats headaches and weight gain as ladies we have a limited number of eggs in our ovaries. So during menopause, excuse me, perimenopause, our number of eggs start to decline. Our estrogen, bless it, still shows up to the job to get our body ready for an egg release. But if we don't drop an egg that month, there's no progesterone released. That sleepy, feel-good, keep-us-safe, namaste hormone to come and chill out our estrogen. So this is what leads to that hormone imbalance, which leads to a whole lot of different symptoms. These can include, but are not limited to, hot flashes, headaches, weight gain, insomnia, incontinence, vaginal pain and dryness, brain fog, hella mood swings, breast tenderness and pain, to name a few. During this time, and generally a pretty good indication that we've arrived in our perimenopausal phase of womanhood, our periods become irregular. This can look like heavy bleeding and, for some of us, longer periods. So that's because we have that higher level of estrogen without that unchecked progesterone. Remember, again, that we are talking super generalized here. Different women have completely different experiences. But for the sake of today's chat on our phases, we'll brush with broad strokes. Menopause. This, y'all, is simply when we go 12 months without a period. And then bye-bye eggs Hello, new phase of womanhood, new us. Postmenopause is the rest of our lives, so let's make it wonderful. The important thing to clock for this episode is that without the release of our eggs, we no longer cycle estrogen and progesterone. 
Our hormones are going to look a lot different in this phase. And we can start to feel, starting in perimenopause, kind of and completely unfamiliar with our bodies. But it certainly does not have to stay that way. And I very much look forward to deep diving with you in this podcast on how to make postmenopause the best years of our lives yet. If you're itching to get started on that right now, I highly recommend checking out Stephanie Estima. She is the author of The Betty Body, her podcast, The Better! Exclamation point podcast. She is amazing. So now that we've done a very sweeping overview of our phases of womanhood, let's do a wee little surface scratch on training and wellness. Because our hormone changes are our hormones change so drastically throughout these phases. There are definitely things that will work for fertile women that will need to be adjusted as we enter perimenopause and postmenopause and vice versa. However, there are a lot of beneficial things that stay the same across all phases. Some of these include the importance of strength training. It is deeply important for our bone density and lean muscle mass composition to lift heavy Not to mention, it's beneficial metabolically, energy-wise, for mental health, and for quite a few other health benefits. We will definitely deep dive into training specifics later on, but the major thing to know right at this moment is we start losing bone density and lean muscle mass after the age of 30. When we are fertile and in our menstrual cycle, it's challenging to build muscle in the second half of our cycle, that luteal phase, because progesterone is catabolic, which means that it breaks down our muscle. So we need strength training to combat that muscle loss. When we're perimenopause and postmenopausal, we start to rapidly decline in both bone density and lean muscle mass, and it becomes more imperative than ever that we lift heavy to offset and even reverse this decline. In general, Lifting heavy means that you're getting to the end of your set of exercises and you feel like you could only do one or two more reps of that exercise. So if you finish and you're like, oh, I could easily do three or more, you, my darling, did not lift heavy enough. And that's okay. This is a process that you'll learn over time. But please, my invitation to you on this fine day is to release the word tone from your vocabulary and to let go of the less weight, more reps mentality. This can be fine as a part of a larger exercise program or when you first get started lifting, but in the long run, it's not going to be what builds that lean muscle and it certainly will not save your bones. All right, next up, we need to work on mobility and stability. A healthy body is one that moves well and pain-free. Posture is also incredibly important to our skeletal and muscular health. And on top of that, as we age, our connective tissues become more brittle and our balance declines. Falls land us in the hospital more than anything else as we mature further into our lives. If we are unstable and have less bone density, falls become a recipe for disaster. And unfortunately, a disaster that all too often can be lethal. All right, nutrition, we gots to eat, we gots to. Our hormones, our energy, our guts, they need all of the macros and that includes carbohydrates. If you are keto and you love it, all of the power to you. There are different phases of our life where this might work a little bit better, but it's always important to ask yourself whenever doing your any sort of nutrition or exercise protocol, do I have energy? Do I sleep well? Am I grumpy or quick to anger? If we're feeling like garbage, It's not working for us. Our bodies are meant to feel good. 
We also need to eat often and more. The majority of humans generally spend their lives trying to get thinner. That usually means slicing the calories. As we get into perimenopause and postmenopause and start to gain weight due to our hormonal shifts, it can feel even more imperative to eat less. And you unfortunately may even be told by a doctor to do so, as one of my clients was. But please, please, please let this false narrative go. Too many women already undereat. This leads to so many physiological issues, it needs its own episode. But let me leave you with this. Calorie cutting sabotages your biology, and it can take years, if not decades, to come back from. And if that doesn't do it for you, it also causes weight gain and fat storage around our midsection. When we starve, which often looks like oh, under 1,800 calories a day, our bodies go into famine mode and try to protect us. This, plus the spike in cortisol, a stress hormone, leads to protective weight retention and excess fat storage. We also, last little note on just general eating, need to be eating all throughout the day. We're talking three meals a day and probably some protein snacks. Timing is just as important as what we eat. Again, we have plenty of episodes to deep dive and always feel free to reach out with questions, but this is our general starting point. And then finally, before I leave your lovely selves for the day, we need protein. And most of us, men and women alike, do not get enough. We're talking at least 0.8 to 1 grams of protein per ideal body weight. This gets increasingly more important as we enter into perimenopause and postmenopause and no longer have estrogen to help build muscles. We really start to even more heavily rely on those amino acids. Again, if you're like, what is she talking about? Don't worry about it. We will definitely come back to this over and over and over again. But for now, there we have it, ladies. A brief unveiling into our beautiful phases of womanhood and some key training and nutrition practices that are important at any time of our life. Please stay tuned as we deep dive into specific practices at the specific phases. I also am very much hoping to bring on some experts in each phase so you can learn from the best and the brightest. So here's to demystifying our bodies so we can train better, feel better, age better, and get this, live better. Because you, my friend, are worth it. Until next time, aroo!